Welcome back, everybody. Somewhere our jingle disappeared. Oh. What happened? <laughs> I took a breath, waited for the jingle, and it was gone. Which one was it? But that's all right. Wait a minute. There it goes. There it goes. Okay, now we can have Encounter with God. Now it's legit. Now it's legit. See, this is what happens when Liam has his family come in. <laughs> things fall through the cracks. He's had his family here all week. This is like one or two things have just snuck their way through. Um, all right. So uh, let me see. I don't know what we're doing now. Okay, I'm checking the text messages. I don't believe we have any yet this morning. There you go. Qu- quiet morning. Maybe everybody's gone away for Christmas holidays. Yeah, it is. Maybe it's just maybe it's just you and I, Renee <laughs> and Liam, that are still at work while everybody else is gone. Hey, we didn't what? get Christmas the memo. We didn't get the memo. <laughs> Why did we not get the memo? Why are we still here? Well, we're still here because we love you guys and uh, we love being able to spend this time with you here on Faith FM in the morning. And we just would be really sad to miss you. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be here again next week. So tune in and text us in so if you're you, there listening, That's please. right, while you are travelling around Australia. Ah, yes. Because everybody is holidaying in Australia at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, which is a great thing because we have an amazing country. While you are travelling around Australia, make sure you get the Faith FM Australia app. Because if you have the Faith FM Australia app, then you can listen to Faith FM wherever you go, mm-hmm. and it will come through perfectly clearly. Clearly, You run it through the Bluetooth in your car, and it's just the perfect way of listening to Faith FM. You won't miss out. That's right. Okay. All right. So uh, do that and have some great Christmas holidays, and uh, yes. All right. Where are we up to? Encounter with God. That means we are into our Bible study. And our Bible study day comes from the book of Acts, and it's talking about the Sabbath. We've been talking about the Sabbath all week as a time for getting to know God, learning about God, uh, learning about the things that God has created, um, a a time for learning. Mm. And we're going to look in the book of Acts at the example of the apostles this time around. So the example of the apostles is what we are looking for. And we're going to begin in Acts chapter 13. Oh, we've got a text message coming through here. Um, do, 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 do. Ooh, scroll down. The last one on there? Well, we do have a text message. It says, praise God for you guys. Oh, <laughs> that made my morning. Yeah, isn't that a <laughs> blessing? It's so nice to have some encouragement. One of the things with radio is that because, you know, I'm a pastor and so I do preaching as well. And when you're preaching, you can look out at your audience and you know you can gauge. whether, you know, you're hitting the mark or not. Yes. Whether they're going to sleep or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, and, and you know you have an audience. You know you're talking to somebody. Uh, Renee and I come here each morning and we talk to a microphone. <laughs> it's like, is there anybody out there? So we love to hear from you guys. That's all right. Uh, so do give us a call, send us a text message. Uh, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Yeah, really just contact us uh, pretty much about anything. Anything at all. Uh, that's right. Okay, Acts chapter 13. Let's start in verse 14. A bit of a passage here, 14 to 45. Let's see what's going on. Okay. so We might not read it all, but give us two or three verses there, Renee. Will do. This is verse 14. But Paul and Barnabas travelled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. Oh, Pisidia? Yes. On Sabbath- there were two different Antiochs, so you have to be specific about which one it is. Okay. Did I There's- pronounce that right? Yes, Pisidia. Pisidia. So you've got Antioch in, in Syria which is the one that is still there today. Yes. And then you have Antioch in Pisidia. Antioch in Pisidia is in uh, modern-day Turkey, um, Asia Minor, Mm -hmm. 
And so um, this is why he's actually saying this particular Antioch. Hmm. It's like where the Bible says Bethlehem Ephratah. You had Bethlehem Dan and you had Bethlehem Ephratah. So you hmm. had the Bible has to be specific about which one. Ooh. We have a few towns in Australia like that, don't we? Do we? Yeah, we have a few. Sometimes, you know, I'll type a, uh, a, a town name into uh, Google Maps. And oh, like, yes. Do you want the Victorian one, the New South <laughs> Wales one, or the three that are in Queensland? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or the one that's in the UK or the United States. Um, so, yeah, human nature hasn't changed too much. We uh, <laughs> still tend to really? borrow names from somewhere else. So they're heading to Antioch in Pisidia. Mm-hmm. For people who like geography, this is going to be important. They're heading into modern-day Turkey. So, on the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the Book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul stood, lifted his hands to quiet them and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Okay, let's stop there for a moment before we go. Before we actually launch into the uh, the full sermon that we're going to get um, from Paul as we work our way down through this passage. They've gone to Antioch and Pisidia. When they get there, where do they go? They go to the synagogue. On what day? On the Sabbath. Why? Uh, I guess sort of like why Why do we go to church on Sabbath? Sort of gathering and exactly. talk and discuss and read the word, worship. Are you going anywhere, holidays, over the Christmas break? Uh, no, I'll You're be- You're doing holidays uh, at home? Holidays at home. Yes, Renee's, Renee's um, <laughs> actually, we're super glad that Renee's having holidays at home because Renee's <laughs> going to- um, <laughs> Going to be coming back in the new year to help us with <laughs> the breakfast show while Minnie is out gallivanting around the countryside. <laughs> will you be out gallivanting as well? I will be holidays at home. Oh, very nice. I will be awesome. building a house. So <gasps> Even better. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's been many times when I have gone on holidays elsewhere mm. and one of the things I love to do when I'm in some random place is jump on Google and like, oh, is there a local church around here? Let me see. Yeah. And you just rock up at a random church. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I love telling people where I'm from <laughs> when they ask. And sometimes I've been like camping way out in the bush. Yeah. And um, it's like, yeah, let's go to church this morning. It's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. So we throw a few things in the four-wheel drive, do a quick, quick Google, find out where the nearest church is, head into town, go to church, rock up at church. And you just meet the most interesting people. Um, you get invited for lunch. Mm-hmm. You have great conversations. Um, sometimes I've even preached sermons because it's been like Christmas time. It's like, well, you know, there's, there's no no one here to uh, no one here to take the sermon at the moment. So uh, you're a visitor. Do you preach by any chance? I'm like, from time to time. <laughs> Would you like to preach? Like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Stand up and do an improv sermon. Um, so it's good fun. And, and more or less, these guys, that's what they're doing, except they're not on holiday. This is actually a missionary journey. Hmm. And as a missionary journey, they've gone to the synagogue for two reasons. Number one, it's the Sabbath day, and that's what you do on Sabbath. You go to church. Mm-hmm. Number two, wherever Paul went, particularly early on in his ministry, he always ministered first, if it was possible, to the Jewish people. Why do you think he started with the Jewish people? 
I guess they had the background knowledge yeah. to the gospel and it would be easier to, it's, it's kind of like the whole discipling method, right? It's more effective if you can preach to people who already have a background knowledge and expand on that and they can go out and share the gospel. It's a little bit like the difference between uh, doing Bible studies with somebody who grew up in a Christian home and knows their Bible inside out, back to front and upside down, but maybe has wandered away from God, mm. and doing Bible studies with somebody who has never seen a Bible before. Yeah. And so you're better off to start with those who actually know a little bit about the Bible and build up from there, uh, bring them to Jesus Christ, because you know, for the Jewish people, they had all the doctrines they needed except for the doctrine of Christ. Yeah. You've only got to add one thing. For pagans, you start from scratch. Mm -hmm. You've got to talk about the state of the dead. You've got to talk about the return of Jesus. You've got to talk about who Jesus is. You've got to talk about the Sabbath. You've got to talk about the Ten Commandments, whatever it might be. Um, you've got to talk about lots of different stuff that they have never heard of before. Mm -hmm. And so Paul is starting with the low-hanging fruit, and he is starting to... Um, you know, to build a group that can then take the gospel to the Gentiles that are in this particular city. Interesting, the synagogue also includes a whole bunch of faithful Gentiles, people who have been attracted to the Hebrew God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, text message coming through. Um, says, last night I watched the last presentation of the end. Another great presentation from Justin. I do hope that you guys are working on the next one. This is something you should consider... Uh, for the time is short. Uh, well, actually, funny you should say that. We are planning hey. the next. So the N.Digital is not going away. The N.Digital will be back again next year. Mm. We'll be back again with more presentations. Mm. And we have some really, really exciting stuff planned mm. for the new year. So, yeah, That's super stoked exciting. about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another text message coming through. You are not alone. We appreciate and love your program. <laughs> Can I just say thank you so much for your text messages, guys? <laughs> so we're not sitting here in the studio talking to ourselves. We, there are people out there who love and appreciate there it. So, are, yes. And we love to hear from our listeners. Mm. Uh, if you've got something that you want to share in relationship today to today's Bible study, 1-800-324-843 uh, is the number to call. That's right. Um, or text us on 491 all right, Renee, mm -hmm. uh, let's see, where are we up to? Well, we got up to the part where Paul, he stood up, he's, he's going to talk about his sermon now. That's right, let's go through the sermon. Okay, so he says, The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then a powerful arm, he then led them out of their slavery. He put up with them for 40 years of wandering in the wilderness then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel, the prophet. Then the people begged for a king and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David's son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. 
and it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think that I am the Messiah? No, I am not, for he is coming soon. I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers and sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing so, they fulfilled the prophet's word words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but when they asked Pilate, uh, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that, the prophecies are said about him. They took him down to, from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants by raising Jesus. This is what the second son says about Jesus, you are my son, today I have become your father. For God had promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessing I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your holy one to rot in the grave. Okay, you know, something that was um, really jumping out, and thank you for reading that passage um, so well there, Renee. That was amazing. The... I was just sort of putting myself in the shoes of the apostles at that particular time, mm. you know, and thinking about the presentation that we had on the end digital, you know, last well, actually, over the last couple of days, where we've talked about the prophecies, and a lot of the prophecies about Jesus were fulfilled during his lifetime, but particularly in the crucifixion weekend. Mm. There were so many prophecies that related to that crucifixion weekend, you know, from th- things as simple as you know him being sold, um, betrayed by a friend. And then the amount that he would be betrayed for, and then the kind of uh, currency that would be used in his betrayal, and the kind of um, coinage that would be used in his betrayal, and um, and then what that money, w- where that money would be, s- where, where that money would be. Um, End up, you know, that would be thrown into the temple. How it would get into the temple, it would be thrown there. Um, what the priests would then do with that money, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of thinking of one small example here, which is mm. one of the small prophecies that was a part of that whole experience. And you can imagine the disciples when they're sharing Jesus at this particular time. It's no wonder that the gospel took the world by storm, because any of these people sitting in there in the synagogue, they'd be thinking, okay, this is a bit of a long shot. You know, this guy has turned up and he said that there's this guy down in Jerusalem called Messiah. We've heard a bit about uh, this particular individual, but, you know, he was only for here for three and a half years and then he's now he's been executed. And then Paul starts to go through and, you, and, and he specifically mentions there that Jesus fulfilled everything that the prophecies said he would fulfill. And that's a challenge right there because immediately they're going to start thinking, okay, what about this prophecy? What about that prophecy? What about this one over there? And what about this one here? Now, we live in a time when those events were 2,000 years ago. And so there's plenty of people who can say, well, you know, it never happened. It was just all made up after the event. Mm. 
but not for these people. Yeah. Because they're going to have friends, they're going to have relatives in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. There's every possibility that they were in Jerusalem at that time themselves. And so because of that, they are going to at least ask the question, okay, there was a prophecy about Jesus' betrayal in the Bible um, that said, you know, that it would be by one of his friends, that it would be for th- silver, that it would be for 30 pieces, that the money would be uh, thrown into the temple, that it would be bought to buy a potter's field, you know, etc., etc., etc. Did that happen? And their friends, their relatives or whatever who live in Jerusalem were like, yeah, yeah, well, actually that did happen. And then they can go on to the next prophecy. Okay, let's dig, dig into our Bibles. Well, what about this one over here? Did that one happen? Friends and relatives in Jerusalem, yeah, that one happened. And so they are asking eyewitnesses of the events that took place in Jerusalem and they're able to read their Bibles and compare it with those eyewitness accounts. It is no wonder because, I mean, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'd be going through all of the Messianic prophecies and I would be saying, was this guy born in Bethlehem? Well, actually, yeah, he was, and there was this really weird circumstance where you know, his parents were sent there for a census, and, but he doesn't come from Bethlehem. He comes from Nazareth, but he traveled 120 kilometers to get to Bethlehem just before he was born and ended up being born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. That's why Herod tried to kill you know, everybody, every baby under the age of two in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to put that all together, It gives a picture of a situation where you would probably move from, you know, this is a bit of a tall story, to actually, no, this is plausible, that this could have been the Messiah. And you can just sort of see that conviction growing in people's minds. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked on that. Uh, One of the things that we do need to notice in this passage is that Paul begins his sermon with history. Yeah. My hero right there. (laughs) He gives historical context and historical foundation. And he moves through the history of Israel and basically is hitting all the high points. And he includes the preaching of John the Baptist as one of those high points. I think this is significant because Jesus only preached for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And during that three and a half years, well, part of that time, John was still preaching. Yeah. And so in many ways, there is every possibility that in the more far-flung areas of the world that John the Baptist was actually a whole lot more famous and known than what Jesus was. Yeah. And so he goes straight to John the Baptist. John the Baptist obviously has a lot of credibility. He Mm -hmm. had died as a martyr. Um, He had certainly called the priests out, but many of the priests and the Pharisees and the religious leaders had been baptized by John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And so he's got a lot more credibility and a lot less negativity uh, from the ruling class of the, the religious leaders in the Bible. And so he goes to John the Baptist to point, you know, point out that, hey, this is what John was saying, you know, there's somebody coming after me. And, of course, that person is Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah. Anyway, we've got another text message come through. We're going to get back to that one uh, just after this break. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay. Let's go to... Let's let's, let's do... We've got some text messages. 
We do have some text Yay! messages. Yay! <laughs> uh, okay, God, imagine how this text message is coming through from a listener. Imagine how God must have felt. His rejection seemed to be the rule of the day. What else could be done for his people? It would be like your children telling you, we don't want you to be the, your, their father anymore. Mm. We want, or in your case, Renee, mother, mm. we want a sinful man rather than a sinless man. Wow. As our king. It's kind of the perversity of human nature, isn't it? Mm. But imagine Jesus, you know, it's like he comes along and he's living a sinless life. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nah, we don't want that. We don't want righteousness. We don't want sinlessness. We want a sinful person instead. It's pretty sad, eh? It is. That would be gutting. Okay, uh, another another text message right here. Interesting that John the Baptist also believed that the Messiah was coming to not only to save the people from their sins, but to liberate them from the Roman yoke. That is why I asked the disciples, are you the one or do we wait for another? Hmm. That's actually really interesting because John the Baptist was the greatest of the prophets, but God didn't show him everything. No. And sometimes I think, you know, that, that answers one of those questions in my mind because sometimes I think that... Um, we have lots of questions in our life and we're like, "Why, God, why don't you give us an answer for this? Why are you being silent right now? God was somebody who spoke to John the Baptist on a regular basis. Mm. And yet on this issue, God was silent. And, and John the Baptist is putting out feelers and he's asking the disciples and he's like, ah, what's going on here? And the uh, the disciples are, and, and and of course Jesus, you know, just tells the disciples of John the Baptist, come and hang out with me for the day. Come see what I do. They hang them. they hang out for the day. He's like, go go tell John what you saw. And John's like, yep, okay, All right? Yeah, I wasn't wrong. And John was reminded. This one's the one who's the Messiah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's like, what's happening? And and Jesus is like. I am the Messiah. <laughs> yep. That, that's all you need to worry about. Yep. And Jesus doesn't even have to say it in words. He's just like, just watch. Mm. Just watch. Mm. And, of course, being disciples of John the Baptist, they were devout people. Yeah. Yeah. Almost zealous, right? Yeah. Yeah. The right kind of zealous. That's right. Being zealous is a good thing. Yes. Being zealous for the right things. Okay, we've got another 10 verses here. Let's uh, read those very quickly, and then we've got a couple of other passages we need to look at. Okay, so verse 36. This is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is declared right with God, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let prophets' words apply to you. For they said, look, at, look, you mockers, be amazed and die, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of God. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. 
Okay, so there you go. This is interesting. So they turn up there on the Sabbath day. They have this uh, interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do some Bible study. There's a lot of people like, wow, this is really actually, you've got us thinking on this one because, you know, you can pretty much list off any of the 300-odd prophecies that there are about the Messiah. Mm. And they can then demonstrate where Jesus fulfilled every single one of those prophecies. These are historically verifiable. You can go to Jerusalem and you get eyewitness testimony of every single one of those being fulfilled. Jesus is then uh, presented in the context of the Jewish nation. So they're excited. The problem is that their message is just a little bit too exciting. Mm. (laughs) Because the next week is not just the Jews who gather together. Not just the proselytes who join them. The Bible says that just about the whole city turned up. That's right. And, of course, you know, if you're a famous Jewish rabbi and you are somebody who is used to, you know, large crowds gathering around when you come to speak and you have these guys turn up and suddenly the whole city turns up, I mean, now you've got a whole bunch of Gentiles turning up on the Sabbath day. Mm Mm-hmm. You can kind of see where they'd be like, wait a minute, this is not right. This is not how it's supposed to be. We don't need to know who these guys are. They've said some sensational things here the other day, and now the whole city is here? Mm. Uh, what's going on? All right, so um, you can see how they got jealous, and, of course, they stirred up a great bunch of uh, opposition to uh, Paul and Barnabas at this particular time. All right, we're going to look at another passage here, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. at Acts 16, verse 13 and 14. And it says, On the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Phytyra, a merchant with expensive purple cloth, who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her eyes and she accepted what Paul was saying. Okay, um, let's, uh, let's let's stop and think about this passage for a moment. So here it goes to uh, Philippi, and in Philippi you find that there seems to be no synagogue. And where there's no synagogue, the Bible says that the well, there's a group of women who are faithful, and they go out and have their worship service by the river. By the river, yeah. And I would recommend that to anyone who is living in a place where there is no church. Mm. If you've got no church... Go and have Sabbath by the river. That is a very, very special place to have a worship service. I've done that many times myself, and it's just really nice. It's a little bit hard to hear because you've got, you know, the river is a bit noisy, uh, and it's a little bit hard on the speaker because it's harder to speak outside than inside. But uh, I just ran my radio mic from church through my car stereo. Wow. And then just opened the doors. Cool. Yeah, and worked great. Creative. Hmm. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, a little bit of an inverter there to run the uh, receiver <laughs> from, and away it went. Uh, but, yeah, okay, and this is the model that you're going to find right the way through the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Every Sabbath they're getting together to talk about and study and learn from the Word of God, and we will never go wrong if we do exactly the same thing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And it is now time for... Question of the Day. 
And our question of the day is about to come up on the screen. Here it is right here. Ready okay, for us? so this one it. is a loaded one sent Ooh, in yes. by Brett. I'm going to read it out. Uh, it's, a f- it's quite a few questions. I like it, though. It says, have there been any other prophets in the history of the SDA church besides Ellen White? If yes, why does it seem the majority of her of attention is focused on her? If not, will there be any more prophets in the future? And are there any alive now and prophesying? Okay, so this one is a question that is specifically directed at the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but there are many churches in the world today, of course, that um, that have people that either have, you know, uh, people amongst them have the gift of prophecy or profess to have the gift of prophecy, whatever. This is not something that is uncommon uh, in today's world. And so somebody wants to know, okay, in the Adventist Church, which is, you know, we're the church that actually, you know, owns and runs this particular radio station, uh, you know, Ellen White is very, very famous, and so is there anyone else? Mm. Okay, so what we're going to do is... Uh, First of all, before we actually answer the specifics of the question, look at God's method. I believe that it's always important to study God's method and to study what is God's norm. And then we can study the exception to that. When you look at uh, the Bible, how many how many different prophets do you reckon they are named in the Bible? Named in the Bible? Okay, I'm going to throw out a number. Maybe over 100? Okay, and I think that that would be, I think that most people would go with a high number. If you ask that question, how many prophets are named in the Bible? They would go with a high number Surely. because when you read the Bible, you're always reading about prophets <laughs> and, and you're reading you're reading the works of prophets. So yes. there was 44 thereabouts different prophets who who wrote books of the Bible. Okay. Right? And so, you know, Nehemiah writes a book of the Bible. He yes. is one of the prophets. And so, you know, he's one of those 44. And so because we're always reading books written by prophets that often talk about people who have the gift of prophecy, it kind of gives you this feeling that there are lots of them. Hmm. Uh, there are actually 55 that are named in the Bible. Oh, okay. And that's not actually that many. When you when you span the Bible out over the uh, four thousand year period that it covers, to have fifty five prophets named in a four thousand year period is actually not that many. No. And so this is the biblical model. The biblical model is that God does doesn't just hand out the gift of prophecy willy nilly just all over the place. Mm. It seems to be uh, the Bible says it is the most important of all the gifts. The Apostle Paul says that. It's mentioned 530 times in the Bible, uh, whereas other gifts, like, say, for instance, the gift, gift of tongues is only mentioned in five places in the Bible. Mm. Um, so it's the most significant but probably the rarest of the gifts. And God's model is that he will typically have someone who lives, who he calls to a lifelong ministry of the gift of prophecy, uh, and that someone will cover an extensive period of time. And sometimes there will be a very extensive t- period of time between people who have the gift of prophecy. In fact, if you look at the, at the time frame between, say, Malachi and John the Baptist, you've got about 400 years between them. And this is not unusual. And so God's method is not to just saturate the world with people who have the gift of prophecy. He picks one or two here or there who then their message is taken to the world for a significant time to come uh, before the um, before uh, the next person with the gift of prophecy is added in. Now, the Bible does say that there is going to be a time in the future 
where the gift will be much more widespread just before the return of Christ. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, the Bible says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. We know that just before the return of Christ, when our society breaks down to the point where communication is no longer viable between you know, large groups of people, the Holy Spirit will be poured out right across the world and there will be literally thousands of people who will receive this gift. That's an exceptional circumstance. That's not the norm for how God works. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.